Can you get my uh, mic for me here? Appreciate that. All right, let's uh, take our Bibles tonight, and uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we'll be in several places, but we're going to start out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've been uh, beginning a, a series here on um, uh, our uh, service, uh, on our midweek service, our new Bible study when we started this year, and uh, this, the series is about one another. And we're going through the Scripture and looking at what our responsibilities as Christians are toward one another. And uh, we've looked at two so far, and uh, tonight we're going to look at another one. There, there are several things the Bible talks about, but we're, we're particularly looking at that phrase, one another. And uh, you know what, f- folks, the reason that is, is because uh, the church is more than just an organization. Amen? You know what the church is? It's a family. And uh, we, as as uh, as the body of Christ, man, we gotta we have responsibility toward one another. Amen? And uh, we need to make sure we fulfill those responsibilities. So, if you find your place, let's stand together here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin reading in verse 23 and read down through verse 27. The Bible says, And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that parts which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. There you go. There it is. Amen. Uh, Verse 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or what one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Speak to us, we pray through your word. Help us, God. I pray that uh, Holy Spirit, you'd move in our midst and uh, Lord, you put your um, uh, your conviction in our hearts, and Lord, help us to, uh, Lord, uh, let the Word of God help us be what you'd have for us to be. And Lord, we pray for our, our church body, Lord, that you'd strengthen us and help us, Lord, to, uh, Lord, be what you'd have for us to be. We ask it now in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Most of the chapter here of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, starts out by talking about uh, spiritual gifts. And then he goes in, beginning in verse 12, and talks about, uses a great illustration uh, of the body of Christ. And, uh, you know, listen, folks, uh, God does everything for a reason. All the, all the words are there to mean exactly what God wanted for them to mean. And when we use that term, body of Christ, we're referring to believers that are part of that body. Amen? Now, truth be told, every believer that is saved is part of the body of Christ. But God has set it up in such a way, and I believe God did this uh, in His wisdom so that we could best uh, complete the Great Commission. But God has set up all around the world local bodies of believers. Amen? And if we're saved, we're all part of the, the body of Christ, but the body of Christ is made up of individual local assemblies. In fact, the word church means, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means a called out assembly. And that's exactly what we are. Amen. We're called out. What are we called out from? Well, praise God, we're called out from our sin. Amen. When we get saved from that, but we're also called out from the world. Amen. And we're, we're, uh, we're a unique organization because we are the body of Christ. Now, what's interesting is the illustration Christ uses here uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and likens the uh, body of Christ to 
the human body. And he goes through, and for sake of time, I didn't read all the verses here, uh, but he talks about, about the different parts of the body and how the body, the way God made the physical body, and by the way, what a marvel of creation, amen? What a marvel of creation. I mean, again, folks, I, I've said this recently as I've preached, but people that believe in evolution have way more faith than we have, amen? Because to think that something so marvelous and miraculous as our human bodies, I mean, can do what they do, like that came from nothing? Are you kidding me? I mean, folks, it's, it's ridiculous to believe that. Amen? Uh, but, of course, you know, people are, as the Bible says, willfully ignorant. And they don't want to, you know, by the way, a little side note here. Amen? All right, I got so much going on right now through my mind. I mean, who knows where we might end up, right? But here's the thing, all right? I mean, uh, uh, I forgot where I was going. I, mean, I tried to explain it, then I forgot where I was going. So uh, I'm sure I'll remember it in a minute. We'll go back to that side trail, amen? Uh, but the body here, I love the illustration when he talks about uh, the body of Christ. And, 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 our, and our, our, uh, our physical bodies, a marvel of creation, all work together uh, to make sure that everything is what it's supposed to be, all right? For example, all right, how many's ever smashed your thumb before, all right? Or done something where you, you know, it doesn't seem to be that big. How about this, a paper cut? Oh, man, all right? Or, or how about a, a, a toothache? Now, you know what happens? Think about this. When something like that, everything works together, for example, let's say, go back to the original illustration, you smash your thumb. You know what happens? The mouth speaks, the eyes squint, the teeth grit, the hand holds, the back bends, feet move rapidly, right? It all, I mean, it all goes together. I mean, you know, you know how it is. Oh, man. Oh. You know, I mean, come on, we all do that, right? I mean, if something like that happens, you know what it is? It's all the body coming together because it's all interconnected. Right? Now here's the thing. Just as the physical members of the body are interconnected, guess what? So is the body of Christ. We're all interconnected as a local assembly. That's what makes it special, by the way. Amen? That's what, by the way, makes it miraculous. Just as the physical body is miraculous, the body of Christ is miraculous. That God could take all of us as nothing but wicked sinners. Amen? And can save us, redeem us, put us together, and as He puts us together, makes us into something that's useful. Amen? And truth be told, if we'll follow the biblical pattern, we'll work together to accomplish great things that none of us could do by ourselves. It's called the power of the assembly. Amen? And there's something wonderful and miraculous about it. Now, part of what the body must do, and this is where we're going tonight, is uh, what we read here uh, in, uh, in verse, uh, verse 24. All right? Verse 24. Uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body. That, that's an interesting word. That word schism means division. Okay? And it says that there should be no division in the body. Now, folks, listen to me, all right? Again, I just, just, I say it from time to time, and, and I'm, I'm saying it because I've seen it, okay? Satan's number one strategy to bust up a church is to get within and create division within the body. That's what he loves to do, amen? Because he can't destroy us from without, and he knows that, by the way. In fact, any church that's attacked from without almost always flourishes because of the result of some kind of outward persecution. Happened all through the New Testament, even happens today. I mean, in some of these uh, communist countries, the underground church is flourishing. Amen? Because the church cannot be destroyed from without. Satan knows it, so what's he do? He goes to where he knows he can hurt it, and that's from within and creates division within the body of Christ. I'm going to tell you, folks, uh, I've seen churches blow apart because of division from within. 
And I'm going to tell you, what, what a shame that should be. The Bible says there should be no division or no schism in the body. Amen? And by the way, if we'll follow God's order the way it's supposed to work out, there won't be division in the body. If we will, as we're going to talk about tonight, care for one another, let me tell you something, any problem that's going on can be worked out within the body. Amen? And by the way, you know what? You know, that's what, that, that, that's what the body does. The physical body heals itself. I mean, right? I mean, if something happens, uh, you know, God has set up something called an immune system. I wish people would understand that. Amen? We do have an immune system. Okay, by the way, immune system's been way around a lot longer than, uh, you know, some of this uh, uh, suedo supposed cures that's from injecting chemicals in your body, all right? God gave us an immune system. Praise God for that. I'm not against all medicine, but we got to start thinking common sense here sometimes, amen? But let me tell you what the immune system does. It heals the body. Right? It, it, it fights the infections and, and, and comes together. I mean, come on. You ever cut yourself? Before long, you start looking, you get a scab. What's a scab about? It's about healing, right? And that starts healing. it. I mean, I just can't believe how quickly sometimes the body can heal itself because it's the way God designed it. Well, guess what? The body of Christ, if we'll follow the Word of God, can heal itself. And doesn't have to be destroyed, but unfortunately we don't follow the Bible, and that's when we get ourselves in trouble. Now notice again, there should be no schism, division in the body, but that the members should have the, here it is, you ready? The same care for one another. The same care. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is that subject, we should care for one another. Alright, how many's ever heard this saying before? Alright, all, all, all of you are going to probably get this except for the young kids, all right? How about this? All for one, one for all, okay? Now, that's associated with the fictional characters of the Three Musketeers. That was their slogan, right? But truth be told, now that's not necessarily in the, in the Scripture, that particular quote, but the principle is, amen? All for one, one for all. That ought to be the motto of the church. And that's found there out of verse 26. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. By the way, you know what? Because right now we have some members suffering. I don't know about you, but it just doesn't feel right without them here. It doesn't feel right. And listen, folks, I'm thankful for every single person that comes. But I'll be honest with you. As a pastor, when I sit up here and I see people that ought to be here and they're not here, it just feels different. Now, again, I don't want people to come if they're sick, okay? I don't want that. In fact, that's one of the reasons I called our folks to let them know, listen, you let, you know, whenever you feel comfortable coming back, I'm fine. I don't fuss at people from mission church when they're sick and or they're providentially hindered. I get all that. But listen, when people that are part of the body aren't in their place, I'll just say, I'll just say it. You know what? It's, not, it's just not the same. You know why? Because if one member suffers, we all suffer. Right? I mean, come on, folks. Well, we've had folks of our church pass before. I mean, we all grieve for that. Okay? And that's the way it's supposed to be because we are part of the body. All right? Or how about this? How's that? Uh, what's the other swing of the pendulum here? If one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Right? We are to rejoice with them that, re- uh, uh, that do rejoice. I mean, listen, folks, uh, we, we got to stop being, so, have such a selfish mentality. I mean, by, by the way, that, that's what, that's what the world does. Okay, step on this person to get ahead. And if they get ahead before I do, then I'm going to hold a grudge against them. Okay, the world does what it does. That should not be said of the church of Jesus Christ. Listen, somebody gets honored, somebody, uh, something great happens to them. Hey, we're all rejoicing with them. Amen? 
Praise God for that, and that's the way it ought to be. So let's look at this tonight. I'm going to show you some things uh, and uh, where, we, where, we, where we find these principles at, and I'm going to show you uh, what it means. All right? I'm going to just give you a few uh, principles. Where by no means will we exhaust this, but we'll refine this phrase, one another, and uh, see what it is, what it means to care for one another, what kind of actions are shown by that. All right, take your Bible. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I'm going to read here uh, some verses to you, and uh, I'm going to begin reading here in verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. Paul here, well, let me just read it, and I think the, the text will explain itself. Here's what it begins in verse 8. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, the selfsame thing, that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that had suffered wrong, here it is, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. Therefore we were comforted in your comfort, yea, and exceeding the more joyed we were for the joy of Titus, because his spirit was refreshed by you all. For I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed. But as we spake all things to you in truth, even so our boasting, which I made before Titus, is found a truth. Now, here's the background of that, all right? If you know the, the church of Corinth, it was a mess, okay? Carnal, worldly, wicked church. Paul loved the church because he helped found this church. And he went there, he founded it, and then God called him other places. And when he was gone in his absence, the, uh, the, the devil started moving in. Bad things started happening. By the way, from within, things weren't dealt with scripturally the way they should have been dealt with. So Paul now has to write back and, and try to fix the problems. That's when it says here, I made you sorry with the letter. By the way, what book of did we just read out of here? 2 Corinthians. What letter was he talking about? 1 Corinthians. Go back and read 1 Corinthians. I'm going to tell you, it is a face ripper. And by the way, it needed to be. Because that church was involved in some wicked things. But what Paul is trying to say here is this. Listen, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sorry for the fact that I told you the truth. All right. In fact, I'm thankful for it because when you hear truth, it leads you to repentance. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And here's the principle. All right. We show our care for one another by telling the truth. By telling the truth. Amen? Now listen, folks, all right? If your body's sick, you go to the doctor, you don't want the doctor sugarcoating it because you're afraid of him hurting your feelings. No, you know what you want? You want the truth so you can know what you, the treatment's going to be to make you get feeling better, right? Okay, now if that makes sense to us with our physical bodies, how come we get all offended when that happens to our spiritual bodies? Okay, by the way, folks, let me say let me tell you what this pulpit is. It's a pulpit of truth. Amen? Let me tell you what our interaction ought to be with one another. It ought to be an interaction of truth. Meaning, 
Listen, folks, that we're, we're truthful and honest about things. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, you, you care for people by caring about them enough to tell them the truth. Unfortunately, some Christians are not very spiritual and they can't handle truth. And by the way, that's why uh, even in, in, in telling truth and presenting truth, you need to use wisdom in doing it. Amen? All right? The Bible says grace and truth. Amen? And we need to use wisdom in doing it. But listen to me. we got to tell the truth. And by the way, you prove your care for someone when you speak truth to them. Amen? And so, folks, listen to me. Don't get mad at someone that tells you truth. By the way, let's say maybe someone doesn't use as much cooth as they should. Okay? Let's just say maybe someone, you know what, comes and, and, and even if it's in the wrong spirit, may say something that's truthful, okay? Now, I'm not saying that we have the right to just go around and, and hurting people by things, even sometimes if it is true, because remember when we talked about the ten laws of excellent speech, we shouldn't speak unkind truths, okay? So even in telling truth, there's the, there's the proper spirit-filled way to do it, amen? But when it's through a spirit of love and a spirit of help, listen to me, be thankful for that and understand somebody loves you. And back to what I was saying, maybe sometimes they don't have the wisdom, and maybe they say something not the wisest way, but listen to me, folks. Okay, maybe they didn't use a lot of sense, but, 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 but understand the motive. They did it because they still loved you and cared for you and cared enough for you to speak truth. Amen? Let me just tell you this. By lying to somebody or by, you know, sugarcoating something, listen, that doesn't help. Amen? You know what helps? Truth helps. Amen? And that's why, even though sometimes truth is a hard pill to swallow, we need to take it. Amen? And so you show your love by telling truth. And again, if, if any example is that, it's, it's the, the church of Corinth. I mean, listen, folks, again, this church was involved in wicked, horrible things, and they needed to be called out on it. And Paul called them out on it. Of course, it was God doing it through the Holy Spirit. But you know what? You found out that he called them out on it, and some of them, a lot of them did repent, did get things right, and things were they, uh, the way they should have been. So you prove your love. You prove your care for one another by speaking truth. All right? We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Flip over to the next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at verse 16 and 17. Now, Paul wrote the letter. Of course, the Holy Spirit, I I keep saying Paul wrote it. We know it was the Holy Spirit that wrote it. Paul was the human instrument. But Paul did not physically take the letter to the church of Corinth, the 2 Corinthians. It was taken. You've seen this name already. I read it over here uh, in uh, verse 13 and verse 14, talking about Titus. Okay, who was Titus? Titus was a preacher born of Paul. Remember, Timothy was one of Paul's preacher boys, so was Titus, okay? We have a whole book in the New Testament dedicated a letter to Titus. And so this letter here was delivered to the church of Corinth by Titus, Timothy, and um, uh, Eurastus was another name of one of the men that delivered this epistle to the church of Corinth. And so look here in verse 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 16 and 17. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest, here it is, care and to the heart of Titus for you, for indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. Now listen, here, here, here's the principle, then I'll explain it to you, all right? Caring for one another is a result of being spirit-filled. Okay, because here's the thing. Paul was the one that birthed this church, if you will, if you want to use that terminology, okay? But yet Titus came along after that, but now here's what you find out. Titus, and Paul commended him on this, had the same care for the church of Corinth that Paul had. 
even though he wasn't necessarily the one there to put the work in that Paul put in, yet uh, Titus still had that care for them. And that's what it says. Which, uh, But thanks be to God, notice here, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. So you know what that tells us? You know where that care came from? It came from God. And by the way, think about this for a minute. For us as Christians to love people and care for one another the way we should to, uh, the way we should, guess where it's got to come from? God. You know what it's called? Being filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, we studied it, I think, last year. Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. What's the number one on that list? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. By the way, guess what word love that's talking about? You think it's talking about phileo love? Oh no, agape love. Amen? Let me just say this, folks. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you'll have no problem allowing the love of God, the agape God, uh, love of God to flow through you to other people. Caring for one another. It comes from God. By the way, you know what? You, 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 it's, it's, it's something you can't muster up. Because the flesh only cares about, truth be told, cares about people in a selfish way. That's the work of the flesh. Okay? The flesh is, I like you because you like me, or I'm going to do for you because you're going to do for me. That's a work of the flesh. Okay? And so, in order for you to care for one another, and by the way, we're talking about our relationship with Christians here. You've got to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's not always easy to love people the way you ought to love them. You know why? Because sometimes we can't get past the, the surface area, Right? We can't get past all the problems. We can't get past all the, all, all the things they're dealing with, which truth be told, if we'd be honest, we've dealt with or are dealing with, and we get a little pious thinking maybe because we're down the road a little bit further that we're better than somebody else. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. That's how we think sometimes. And you know what? We've got to have the Spirit of God to help us love other people. Amen? And care for other people. So think about this for a minute. If it takes the Spirit of God to care for other people... If we don't care for other people, guess what that's a sign of? Being carnal, amen? Not being filled with the Spirit of God. When we, when we don't treat people the way we ought to treat them, we're talking about the brethren here, amen? Alright? And loving people the way we ought to love them, and treating them the way we ought to treat them, amen? You know what's a sign of? Carnality. And so listen, folks, a sign of caring for others is the fact that we're filled with the Spirit of God. That's why every single day you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with this. Listen, it ought to be, uh, again, it's not this, this weird mystical process being filled with the Spirit. Okay, It's not running around acting silly and screaming stupid things and acting like you've lost your mind. That is not being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You know what that's called? Foolishness. Truth be told, you really want to know what it's called? It's really dabbling with uh, the, 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 the demonic world. That's really what it is. Amen? Because being filled with the Spirit of God isn't all this foolishness. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to have control of us. Amen? Allowing Him to control our thinking, control how we treat people. That's being filled with the Spirit. And so listen, folks, caring for others is a result of being filled with the Spirit. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Let's go there. I'm sorry, verse 19. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 19 through 23. Philippians chapter 2. Number three, caring for one another is something that is learned. I don't miss what we're taught here because it's very important here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 23. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort, comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, 
For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Again, this is Paul here, the church at Philippi, that he had helped start, and he loved those dear folk. And um, uh, he was going to—he couldn't get to them, so he's going to send Timotheus to them. And twice we see this testimony of uh, of Timotheus, or, or we see that um, that uh, for Timotheus to come to them and and give the report and to uh, receive, if you will, if you finish reading there, receive the collection that they'd taken up for Paul. That was of good comfort to Paul. And then also it says that. Um, uh, he had no man like-minded who would naturally care for your state. And so what he's saying here, the same thing he said of Titus, is that here's a young man who will care for you and who's like-minded with me. And you know what? Truth be told what Paul was saying, I've taught Timothy how to care for you. Okay? And folks, listen to me. I understand caring for people is a result of being filled with the Spirit. But let me just say this, all right? It is our responsibility to be teaching those under us on how to be the example of how to care for one another. That's something that's caught, amen, and that's taught and that's caught. And so you know what we've got to be doing is teaching that and training that. By the way, parents, amen, who do you think is going to teach your your young people, your children, how to care for one another if you don't teach them? Okay? And you know what, truth be told, we ought to as parents, as teachers, as leaders, be setting the example of what it means and show our children, show our young people what it means to care for one another. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something, folks. You know what I found out is this, and I've seen this all through the years in my workings uh, with, with uh, different uh, 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 people God's allowed me to minister with, but selfish parents always produce selfish children. Always. Okay? I mean, you want to know why your kid's so selfish? Well, why don't you look in the mirror? Okay? What are you doing about it? Amen? I'm telling you, folks, listen to me. It's so important that just as Paul taught Timothy how to care for these folks, we as parents and we as leaders teach those underneath us on how to care for others. By the way, folks, listen, part of our life... All right, and we're going to, Lord willing, talk about this Sunday night uh, when, we're, when we're talking about order. But part of our schedule ought to be within our schedule a time to care for other people. Amen? And that needs to be taught. I mean, for example, uh, what we've been doing um, with our men, making phone calls, checking on our widows, and, and uh, uh, what, you know, what, what I do as the pastor, as the overseer, calling people, checking on people. You know what that is? That is showing a way of caring for folks. Now, it goes more than just a phone call, I can tell you that. Amen? But you know what? It, it starts there, and then that leads to other things. And so we've got to show that. But let me say this. It's important that, yes, we show it, but the best way to show it is to live it, be the example. Amen? Because that's how it's learned. I mean, listen, you want your young people to grow up to have a heart for people. You have a heart for people. Amen? Don't just say, do as I say. No. How about this? Do as I do. Lead by example. Amen? Because it's something that is learned. And then look here. We're, we're there in Philippians. And uh, let's, let's keep reading over in this book. Let's go to chapter 4. Chapter 4. And uh, let's uh, begin reading in verse 10. And we'll kind of uh, uh, close this out here. We see beginning in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, and that now at the last, here it is, your care of me 
hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no sir, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye also. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but desire, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And here's the principle. Caring for one another is proved in a tangible way. Now, this passage I just read to you is the basis of missions giving. Okay, and we're going to be talking about this coming up next month, and, or, or next week actually, uh, when we get into the, into the month of February. All right? But basically what Paul is saying through here, again, look at verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, now that at the last, notice here, your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. By the way, we quote this verse a lot, and, and, and we try to claim this verse, but that verse there where it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, why don't we look at the context of that verse? By the way, you know what the context of that verse is, the promise of that verse is? Those that are involved in caring for those in the ministry, particularly missionaries. So you want to claim the verse? My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Don't claim that verse if you're not giving to missions, because it's not for you. It's for those willing to give and show in a tangible way, amen, the fact that you care. And again, I'm, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself, because uh, we're going to talk about this uh, some uh, next month. But folks, listen to me. You know, it's, it's more than just saying you care, all right? I think we ought to verbalize it. Okay, but you know what? Truth be told, all right, well, let's just see what the Bible has to say here. Let me read another verse to you. 1 John chapter 3. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, all right? I think we would all agree with that, right? God loved us, not just because he said it, but he proved it, right? God commended his love toward us. How did he prove it? He laid his life down for us, right? God just doesn't say, stinking wicked humans, I love you. Oh, you know how God said, stinking wicked humans, I love you? Right here. As He allowed His Son to be nailed to a tree. And Jesus willfully allowed Himself to be nailed to a tree. That's called proven love. Amen? Alright, now let's finish the verse though. And we, there you go, we Christians, are to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow! Literally liking, likening the crucifixion of Christ for us. Guess what we ought to be doing? We ought to be laying our life down for the brethren as well. Now, I, I think that possibly could mean a physical death, but more, but more I think the truth is, is how we treat one another. Because here's what the next two verses say. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother, talking about Christians, have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children... Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. 
That's powerful, amen? You know what he's saying? He says, your love means nothing if it ain't backed up by your action. That's what he's saying, amen? So back to the point I was trying to make is this. If you really care for somebody, folks, you know what it's going to be proved with? It's going to be proved with something tangible. And I'm not just talking about giving somebody finances, okay? I'm talking about down in the trenches, helping somebody in a tangible way. Okay, listen, don't tell me you love your church if you're not willing to come and pour your blood, sweat, and tears into it. I mean, we can talk about, you know, we, we love this and we love that. How are we proving it in a tangible way? Amen? And again, I think that, based upon the context, is referring to uh, giving to missions. Amen? And taking care of those that are going in our place to preach the gospel to places we can't go. I mean, I think you can make application to both. But folks, listen to me. It's more than just in word and in tongue. And sometimes we're good at talking the talk, but are we walking the walk? Is it backed up? By the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we love that chapter. It's well, literally, right? The love chapter, the charity, uh, uh, the chapter of charity. That talks about all these things, and I've made this uh, application before, but it's so true. I love what I love what it says. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, there you go again, talking the talk. And I'm not saying you shouldn't talk the talk; you should, but it doesn't mean much if it's not backed up by action. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, man, talk about. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't want. To, I've never heard an angel necessarily speak, other than what I read about in the Word of God. But I'm sure it's a very eloquent thing. Right? An angel, an unfallen uh, creation speaking. So that, that, that means that you got the talk going on. If you can talk with the tongue of, of men and angels, alright? But, here's what it says. And have not charity, or have not agape love, or means this, it's not backed up by action. Here's what he says. I am become, or as a Christian, here's what I become to God. A sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Alright? You know what that means? Okay, you ever, I've never been to a symphony. Anybody ever been to a symphony before? All right, maybe seen a symphony. All right, occasionally the symbols, right? If they're in the right place at the right time, they add to what's supposed to be happening. Okay, I guess I'm not some big music guy. Okay, but I do know that symbols, if they're used at the right time, at the right place, you know, they, they make it what it ought to be. But man, what if they're not? You know, I mean, if I walked around here this evening, all right, after church, and just, you know, you were having a conversation, I walked up behind you, clang, clang. You know, you know what that's called? Annoying. You know what that's called? I'm probably going to, you know, get, get, get decked, right? Now, nobody wants to hear that because it's just annoying because it's empty sounding. means nothing. Okay, you know what God says here is this. Listen to me. Say it all you want, but you, if you're going to say it, you better back it up with your words. Because if just your love is all you say, it's annoying to me. That's what God says. Amen? And I think we can take that and apply that in our application to how we treat one another. So come on, church, listen to me. We need to live up to what we say we are. Right? We say we're a family, don't we? And I believe we are. Amen? But we need to live up to that. And we need to make sure that we care for one another and uh, love each other. And you know what? For, you know what caring for one another means? Dealing with some of the stuff that has to come up from time to time. It's just part of a family. There's no family that doesn't have problems, doesn't have issues. But you know what you do? You work through things, amen, and you care for one another and love one another. And that is a way that we can please the Lord. Let's, let's pray tonight. Lord, we love you.